want to talk about is I, I, want, to, I want to talk about moving from here where you are to where you're going I think that um, you have you have some unique stuff going on here you have some you, you have you have leadership and worship who loves the presence of God and allows for the move of the Holy Spirit, the mystery of the Holy Spirit to have his way in your midst, which is a, just another way of describing the fire. You know, fire's kind of mysterious. You don't really know what it's going to do. It's just looking for fuel. It's just, fire's just looking for fuel. And so when we let the fire burn in us, it's just looking for faith. It's looking for trust. It's looking for hope. And it's also looking for stuff to get rid of, which is the beautiful part. That's the supernatural part. It's a, it's a cleansing, refining fire. At the same time, it is the presence of God made manifest. And so as we live in this culture where we love the fire so much and we're moving from one generation to the next, it's important to understand that fire. It, and, and I understand you have young leaders, but young leaders get old. It's a, it's a, you can Google that. It is a clinical truth. And things happen throughout history that are kind of mind-boggling, if you think about it. You know, there, there's, there, there comes a pharaoh who didn't know who Joseph was. Like, what? Like, don't we write this stuff down? Like, how, do, how, how far do we have to get before we forget a guy like Joseph in Egypt? A guy who literally saves your country. And we forgot about it. You know, there, there, there arises within the nation of God, within Israel, there arise judges who don't know God or anything he did. Like, what? What? Yeah. Come again? You missed the whole, what? How long does that take? Solomon. Solomon, you know, he's kind of famous for wisdom, right? He has a boy. Rehoboam. I mean, when you got the word bum in your name, you know this is going to go bad, right? <laughs> Rehoboam is a knucklehead because he doesn't want the counsel of his father's elders. I don't know who the elders who are consulting Solomon are, but go ahead, let him in. Go ahead. No. Now I'm going to surround myself with myself. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the wisdom of my age. That's right. Which is like no wisdom. <laughs> and he ends up splitting the country for the first time. Israel divides under Rehoboam. See, I don't know how this happens, but it happens. It happens in a pretty short period of time. How many of you have been to Europe? 
you know, when you, uh, especially England, Scotland, Ireland, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's cold all the time. I don't know. But every single building has about 30 chimneys. <laughs> There's chimneys just sticking out of everything. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, how many fireplaces did that building have? Well, they have one in every room. They have a little place. This, this is a testimony that Europe, at one point, gathered around the fire. It's a testimony. It's on all their buildings. They're like, chimneys everywhere. At one point, fire. Everywhere. Sherry and I were with some friends. We were in Glasgow, and we, uh, or no, uh, Edinburgh. And we went to one of those hotels, had chimneys sticking out everywhere. And we're checking in and walked in, and sure enough, there's a fireplace. I'm like, I'm going to call down front, get me one of them logs, you know? Get it going on. You got one of them romance logs down there? You know? And uh, the front desk says, oh, no, sir, all these chimneys are condemned. They're illegal to use. Well, you got all these testimonies all over your city, and they're illegal. Well, that's wild. That's well, that's kind of interesting. And so, when we talk about the fire, when we talk about how how powerful it is in our midst, I, I want you to realize that. There is a fatal flaw in transition, in moving generation to generation. The fatal flaw is that the fire goes out. The fatal flaw, one generation to the next, 100% of the revivals that you will read about or see, dropped the fire in the next generation. Whether you go back to Luther, you go back to the Methodists, you go back to the Nazarenes, you go back to the Assemblies of God, most recently the Vineyard. Millions of people gather at the fire. Millions of people are like, what is going on? Is that the manifest presence of God? Is this the mystery? Is there some miracles? Is this the power? I've never felt this before. Forget about it. You can do this. You can do this church thing without it. It's true. You can. Most most churches are. Most churches are, and you you get some outbreak of fire, and the firefighters come. You're scaring people. We don't have any scared people here. We only have happy customer uh, people here. You're going to take all that, whatever that was, 
over to that other church. Because that, that's condemned in this house. You can read about it in our history if you want. In Ephesians 4, Jesus has given out gifts. It's like, hey, hey guys, hey, hey. Hey, you got some gifts for you, hey. And that, that's when everybody wants to run up and go, oh, what you got, what you got, what you got, what you got? He's like, well, I'm getting, I got some apostles. I got some prophets. I got some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Right? And when Jesus is handing out gifts, we want to be sure to be there. We want to be sure to get in line, get it, get all, get it. And these gifts are, are to help build the body to a mature representation of Jesus on the planet. In many ways, these, these are, are anointings. These, these, these affect the way you see what you see, how you see. When you, when you look at something, it determines your thought processes on the other side of what you see. It's an anointing. It's like a lens. If you, if you put a lens of glass over your eyes, you put a yellow lens, you'd be like, look at that yellow zebra right there. But the guy with the blue lens, he's like, what? That is clearly a blue zebra. But the guy with the green lens goes, You both are heretics. That is a green zebra. And then the guy with the orange and the red, you see how this works? Everybody sees it different. They're willing to fight about it. Willing to teach against each other. Oh, it is evil. To see blue or yellow. <laughs> and that's the guy with the green lens. So good. So good. But who's right? The zebra. <laughs> yeah. But everybody thinks they're right. Everybody's willing to die. I don't know if I'm willing to die, but I'm willing to kill. So I could be right. And so that lens determines what it is that you're going to see. So let's start with the, the pastoral lens. You know, when, they, when the pastors look out, the pastors see something. They see a certain way. Like, oh, Joe and Mary, you're here. So glad you're here. So happy to see you. I'm so happy that you made it. This is fantastic. Oh, just, hey, how's, how's the kids? How's, how's Erica, Adam, and Sally? How they doing? I know I remember their names. Why? Because I love you. 
That's right. That's right. So come on in here. Come on in here. Hey, we got, we got a marriage retreat coming up, and we got a youth camp coming up, and we got so many things. This is going to be a men's thing, and we got a women's thing. If you ever need any help getting to any of those things, if you need any help at all, I want you to let me know because I want you to be there. I'll do whatever I can to get you there. Why? 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 Because I love you. <laughs> You need anything? I mean, you need anything, anything. You, you ever need anything, you call me. You call me, you call me in the middle of the night. You know, you get some voicemail, you're going to get me. Why? Because I'm waiting to help you. You need, use my phone. Use my phone, call me. I don't care. I will be there for you and your whole family. Why? Why? Now, go into all the world and tell the whole world how much I love you. And we're going to fill this church up. And that's the pastor. Pastor, you don't have to teach a pastor to do that. You got to teach him not to do that. Pastors are on medication because they do that. <laughs> Pastors don't like people because they do that. And then you have the teachers. You know, when you have, when you have a, a five-fold teacher or someone with a strong teaching gift, their, their anointing points everyone to the Bible. Everybody look at the Bible. Everybody turn your attention to the Bible. Open your Bible. Where's your Bible? How do you call yourself a Christian and you don't even have a Bible? Oh, it's on your phone. Nice try. Nice try. January 1. Sunday, January 1. Love it. Love it. Love it. Guess where we're starting? Genesis. Chapter 1. Verse 1. We're going to read this book in a year. Since that is technically impossible, we're going to start on Wednesdays a New Testament study simultaneously so that we can find ourselves completed. And yes, yes, oh yes, we are reading through the genealogy. Why? Because if it wasn't important, it wouldn't be in the book. You got problems in your life. The reason you got problems in your life is because you don't know the word. You need to know the word. You gotta get the word in you. And then be able to discern between truth and error. And so when a fivefold teacher gets in the pulpit, you can bet your bottom dollar that this person has studied and then rooted out everything that is wrong because deeply, innately, deposited in their character is the need need to be right okay and so when I preach this message you can count on it being right and so there's a line right down the center of the room everyone who wants to be in the truth over here with me and starting at this line and in, and in increasing levels 
is deception. And that, my friend, is why we have other churches in this town. And now you have a teacher whose gift really is to discern truth and error, except we now have 300 teachers in Las Vegas that totally disagree with each other. And so we don't have a unifying effort. We have a fractionalizing gift to the body. And then we have the evangelists. Now, if you're the evangelist and you came to this whole conference, congratulations. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> I don't know how you did it because the evangelists are like, what are we doing in here sitting again? Did, do you actually think you're going to hear something you've not heard before? We're, the Bible says to go. Go, not sit. And here we are. We just gather and sit. We gather and we sit. We gather and we sit. We gather and we sit. The Bible says to go. So me and, me and Bob, Bob, who I led to the Lord, we are going to the highways and the byways, and we're going to compel them to come in. Ah, not in here. No, I don't want them coming in here. You know, we're going to start our own church called the Army of the Lord. That's right. We're going to go out. We're going to get, get people saved. We're going to bring them in. We're going to teach them about the power of the blood of Jesus. We're going to teach them about salvation. And we're going to teach them how to lead other people to Jesus. Because that's pretty much all you need to know. All the rest of that stuff you can do in heaven. Only thing you can do on earth that you can't do in heaven is lead people to Jesus. Because everybody in heaven already knows him. We're not even going to have chairs in our church. I don't want them to sit. I want them to go. And then eventually you wonder, do evangelists even like people? Do they even like Christians? Did they forget they were Christians? They seem mad at us all the time. And then there's the prophetic voice, the prophetic people, the prophetic lens. And prophetic people, prophetic people don't have, you know, uh, they don't have digital clocks. Digital clocks are like portals to heaven. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's 12, 12.34, 12.34, 12.34, 12.34, 1.234, it's a moment of divine order right now, here we go, here we go, divine order, that's the second time it happened today, that's a number of witness, call the intercessors, get the show for somebody. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you got blue pants, this revelation. You got striped shirt, the healing of Jesus. You got a fresh revelation of the healing of Jesus. You have two arms and two legs. That's four. That's the number of the Holy Spirit. And you have a head. That's five. That's grace. You are covered in grace and revelation of the healing power of Jesus Christ. Every color, every number, every situation, every blow of the wind means something. If you know any prophetic people, be nice to them. They have a lot going on all day long.
And then there's the apostolic lens. The apostolic lens are the worshipers, the intercessors, the miracle workers, the gifts of healing, the, those who, who look into heaven and see a blueprint. They see, they see heaven. And they're like, how do we get heaven to earth? How do we pull that stuff down? How, where's the glory? Where's the presence? Where's the power? Where's the miracles? We need the blueprint of heaven. Pastors have a 12-step program. You know, they're going to walk with people through their 12 steps. Like, oh, good job. Oh, way to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, back to one. Okay, all right, there we go. <laughs> one, two, three, four. One, two, three. Apostolic people have a one-step program. Shut up! Stay right there. Don't you get up. You need some more. Soak it up. Glory. Glory. Who else? Shaba. Yeah. Hey, you got up. Hey, okay. Is your marriage fixed? No? I just don't have to do this twice, but. Shaba. Boom. All right. You stay there. Stay there longer, or at least until I leave. Because <laughs> the apostolic fully expects heaven to take over, and the power of heaven to confront earth and to change the things that are on earth. That's just how this works. These lenses, I don't know if you noticed or not, but they're different. They're different. They have a different response to 100% of the situations. And so the only thing tying them together is really the value they have for the relationships with one another, also called honor. Because the strategy of heaven coming to earth has a set of priorities. It has a, it has a flow. Church says, you know what? This is how we're going to do it. We're going to take three of those gifts and we're going to put them in a spot. And this way, we get rid of all that mysterious stuff. As much as we possibly can, we're going to get rid of the mysterious stuff. And we're only going to have the stuff that we can really control. Like, you know, we can control our argument. We're going to research stuff, and then we'll keep researching it. And then we'll take all the need for faith out of our theology so we can prove it all. And then we'll teach all our young people about protecting yesterday so that they are for sure to become irrelevant as leaders today. And we will create a natural organization that is compassionate and has a zillion rules. But it was never intended to be a natural organization. There's actually more to it. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning of verse 27 says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. But if you go into any church in America or Western influenced, and you look at the bulletin or you look at the sign in the front yard, it says top of the food chain, senior pastor. The anointing, the most empowered, elected 
A pointed lens is the lens that is pointed at taking care of the sheep. And so this is how we end up with chimneys that are condemned. Because it's no longer about the fire. It's no longer about the presence. It's no longer about the priorities of heaven. It becomes about the priorities of the customers. See, see the, the pastoral, teacher-led Christian environment has trained the Christians that the reason we come to church is because of the Christians. So is it too hot in here? Is it too cold in here? Is there enough space? Is it is the worship too long? Is it too short? Is it too loud? Is it too contemporary? Is it too outdated? Uh, how was your children's experience? You, could you fill out our survey? And could you leave it in the box out there? And it will, it's anonymous. We're just, we're just looking for some feedback about your experience while you're at this hotel, at this church. <laughs> We know you have many choices. We know there are lots of rest, uh, uh, churches out there that uh, you could go to. We thank you for, uh, flying, uh, for coming to this church. And uh, we just want to uh, do whatever we can to make your, your, your church experience as pleasant as possible. Uh, we long to see your, your family later. had a man stand up one time and he says, uh, that's grown-up teaching right there. <laughs> it is. It is grown-up talk. It's, uh, it's it, it, so important that we realize that the priorities of heaven is what it is that we are protecting. So, so when God says, God said, you know, Paul's talking about the body, the physical body, in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And then he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how different they are. And then he just transitions into, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then workers of miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration, something else than speaking in tongues. You're like, wow, that's what? Where's pastor? Where'd my pastor go? My pastor didn't make the top nine. No, your pastor didn't make it in Revelation or the maps. Because we're here to protect the fire. We're here to gather around the fire. We're here to gather around the glory. We're here to be changed in his presence. That's why we're here. 
So the apostolic and the prophetic, they don't really care if the people come. They care if God comes. We really only had church today so that God would come. But the weirdest thing happens. When God comes to church, you have no parking. Your children runneth over. Or runneth around. The resources of heaven are pouring into the environment. And no longer does somebody complaining about the temperature or the volume really matter. Because the way you steer a pastoral environment is through complaining. The, the biggest complainers carry the most influence. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then there's a release of heaven. And this is how it works. This is how it works, and this is how it doesn't work. You know, when, when uh, athletes and movie stars, they make too much money, they just start feeling bad. They feel guilty. They feel like, oh my God, I got all this money. I mean, I've done everything I can do to spend it. I can't. It just keeps piling up. I don't know what to do. It feels terrible. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, go to, I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to buy some war-torn nation. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there. I'm just going to dump all this money and get this thing built up. That's what I'm going to do. So they could go visit some war-torn nation in Africa and they get an appointment with the, with the president who's probably a warlord that won. And they're like, hello, Mr. President. Thanks for receiving us. We... Uh, we, uh, we've, we've toured the pestilence and the destruction and devastation. We've seen the poverty of your people. And we just want you to know we brought you this big, giant pile of money for, for you and your people. And that president says, well, thank you very much for coming to my country. Thank you very much for the big pile of money. And I assure you, both the people in my nation will get that money. See, it doesn't matter how much money, resource, you pour into a debunked government. Those resources will never make it to the intended target. Now, Jesus is smart enough to not throw pearls before swine. And so he's certainly smart enough to withhold heaven's resources from a debunked government. But when he finds what he is appointed in the church, first, second, third, and then, here you go. Here comes the resources of heaven. So that is why you see what you see today in the United States, a first world nation who has 911 being poured out upon. Because first, second, third, and then is the receptacle. The receptacle is what determines what gets 
plugged in. Travel around the world. I don't know who did this, but somebody changed all the sockets. All the sockets are different. You know, this socket has worked for years. And I go somewhere else, no, no, no. No, you have to buy this concoction and still hope you don't blow your stuff up. Or just buy something there, you know? Just buy something there. Why? Because of the receptacle. The receptacle. What are we what is what is heaven pouring into? What are we doing here? What we're doing here is we're building a fireplace. We're building a fireplace where God can put the fire. Because if you don't have a fireplace, fire's scary. Fire on the couch is bad. You know, fire in the hallway is bad. Fire in the fireplace. They're perfect. And so that's 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 what you got. That's what you're doing. That's what you're building. And that is what you are passing one generation to the next is you're passing the fire. Too many places, too many places are happy to pass the pulpit. That we're going to go from one generation to the next, and we just need a good speaker who the people like. And this is how we 100% of the time fail one generation to the next. Because we, we forgot what this whole thing's about. This whole thing is about hosting the fire. Hosting the presence. I don't remember what this says. Yeah. We are moving the apostolic and prophetic that created the movement. The apostolic and the prophetic, first and second, create the movement. Why? Because truly the signs of an apostle were at work in your presence. Signs, wonders, miracles. Some, some people think apostles are old guys. No! No! Stop it! Stop it! Jesus didn't surround himself with 12 50-somethings. He turned the whole thing over to 12 apostles. who might have been in their early 30s or younger. You know, we could find a young pastor. We could find a 30-year-old pastor. He's probably in a church. 30-year-old Bible teacher? Absolutely. Went to school. 30-year-old evangelist? Just listen to him tell you about all the people he led to the Lord. 30-year-old prophet? Totally. Sean was a 30-year-old prophet. 30-year-old apostle? No, no, they don't make any of them that young. No, they, 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 they pop out with gray hair. What a horrible organizational model that first gets no development 
until they're already developed. That seems like a doctrine of demons to me. That the whole body of Christ gets tricked into believing that apostles don't happen until they're old. We better fix this stuff. Or we're going to repeat history again. We have a golden opportunity to keep the fire going. But we have so many challenges. There's so many challenges to take what, what's moving on the earth, what's moving through the United States, what's, what's moving through Europe, what's moving through Asia, what's moving in Australia, what's moving. We have a great opportunity to stop it. And take the movement and turn it into talking about what used to happen. There used to be a living God in our presence. There used to be miracles and signs and wonders. There used to be this mystery. Every time we gathered, we really didn't know what was going to happen. But we wanted more control than we wanted heaven. Now, what I don't mean is that we have no structure, because clearly uh, we need a fireplace. Fireplaces is, is structure. We build this whole thing, get the smoke out of here, keep the sparks down, make it out of the right substance. We don't, we don't just walk around the house going, fire, fire, fire. Oh, my God, we got to move. No, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. It's got to have... Structure, order, it must have authority and honor and joy and love. It's got to have all the stuff. But the top priority is the presence of God, the mysterious, powerful, all-consuming, fiery presence of God. That's what we're giving our life for. That's what's passing from one generation to the next. But it happens through the apostolic and the prophetic. All the other anointings are vital because they take care of their peace. They play their position. They do their job. But the pastor's job is not to bring heaven. The pastor's job is to protect the priority of bringing heaven. And then be sure that we look for young apostles to empower, especially if we don't have an apostle. Maybe we don't have an apostle. What do we do? Well, we look for little ones. Every time worship gets going, you start vibrating. You start vibrating. Come here. Come here. What is that? What is going on with you? Is it a demon? Or is it the apostolic? Because we need to know the difference. Because if it's the apostolic, you're going to be one of our key players, you 25-year-old. Now, we're not putting you in charge of the money. But we will put you in a major place of influence when we're standing in the presence. 
or when we're strategizing about what to do tomorrow. You'll be at the table. Because you'll keep reminding us of what the priorities are. There's a fight. There's a fight. And it's real. And we're facing it. And, and, and we need your help. Because there's not a lot of millennials in here. Are there any millennials in here? Are you millennial? Would you consider yourself a millennial? Okay, so for the most part, the, the rest of the people are older than that. And so, you know, you've got to pay attention to their battle, because their battle is all about conformity. Their battle is all about conformity. Instagram, Facebook, everything. Everything is cool. We're cool. Be cool. Be cool the way you talk. Be cool what you talk about. Be cool the way you dress. Be cool. And so when our young millennial leaders come into their position, and I deal with these people all day, these are, these, these are my sons and daughters. They are empowered. They're in charge of big stuff. They're in charge of this. And they're trying really hard to be cool. And they're like, hey, you know, the other streams, they kind of like us. We're not freaks like our parents were. Our parents were freaks. But we're kind of cool. We're kind of cool. We got, we, got, we got great worship. We got great, you know, lights. We got great, you know, graphics. We're cool. We are so cool. And they like us. We like them. We don't mind being together. But we're going to influence them. We're going to influence them. Because well, it doesn't look like that's what's happening. Remember Candid Camera? Where they would kind of put these cameras in these different spots and watch people. It's, it's black and white, so it's a little... The gentleman in the elevator now is a Candid star. These folks who are entering, the man with the white shirt, the lady with the trench coat, and subsequently one other member of our staff will face the rear. And you'll see how this man in the trench coat <laughs> tries to maintain his individuality, but little by little, <laughs> he looks at his watch, but he's really making an excuse for turning just a little bit more. Now we'll try it once again. Here's the candid subject. Here comes the candid camera staff. Three of them at least. And uh, this man has apparently been in groups before.
to see if we can use I want to see if we can use group pressure for some good. Now, in a moment, I'm Charlie Signal, everybody turns forward. Notice they take off their hats. And now, do you think we can reverse the procedure? Watch. The struggle is real. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's in the face of our leaders of tomorrow. I will reject you if you don't conform. I will judge you. And, you know, the pioneers that have fought so hard for the fire, for revival, they're the, they're the David generation. You know, David is a man of war, and he, he gives birth to Solomon, who is a man of peace. And so what he knows is how to build peace. But what he ends up doing is he ends up dissolving the kingdom of God through the introduction of idolatry wow. to keep the peace. And his son splits the kingdom. And so the power of priority, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then workers of miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration, so on. The, the conversations that we will be having eventually is what's the difference between an apostle a worker of miracles and gift of healing. But we don't have a conversation like that. We, we don't even know. We don't even know what first is, really. Apostles. We think they're old guys who start churches. Like the CEO of Starbucks is an apostle. No. No, the CEO of Starbucks is, has a phenomenal leadership gift, but is not an apostle. Until this, the leadership environment is saturated with heaven, you don't have an apostle. You started a thousand churches? Awesome. You have an amazing leadership lid. But if those thousand churches are not moving in signs and wonders and mighty deeds, you're not an apostle. Wow. We're protecting the fire. That's, that's what you're doing here. That's what I'm watching happen here. That's what's growing here is the priority of heaven so that heaven can pour the resources into this receptacle. And we have a long-term plan. We have a long-term expectation, which is, am I supposed to be done at one? I'm supposed to be done at one. I'm done, I'm done at one, here I am. We have a long-term vision, we have a long-term anticipation. 
I mean, the, the guys that build castles, you go to Europe, you see these castles over, you're like, okay, okay. The guy that started building that never lived in it. Imagine pastor saying, hey, listen, we're going to start a building project. It's going to take uh, my whole life and maybe the life of my son. And hopefully we don't lose any wars between here and there. So let's muster all our resources and capacity to build something I will never experience. This is legacy. This is legacy eternity mindset. This is the apostolic and the prophetic that the eternal is more valuable than the temporal. And what we've sown our life into that touches eternity is the best use of my time, energy, and efforts. So let's all stand together. And uh, I just want us, to, uh, I want us to take a moment. Anybody who is 35 years old or younger, I'd like you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. Keep your hand up in the air. 35 years old or younger. Looky there. We've got the whole, the whole IT department back there. <laughs> People who were raised on iPads. Yes. Okay, keep your hand in there. Keep your hand in there. All right. If you're standing near one of these people, please paste, uh, put your hand on one of them. If, as soon as somebody's touching you, put your hand down. Until somebody's touching you, keep your hand up. Okay. All right, we got you covered. All right. People who are praying, repeat after me. In the name of Jesus. I bless you. I receive you as a leader, one who will prioritize heaven. I want you to know this. I trust you. You are co-laborer. We're on the same team. We are sowing into eternity together. Thank you for being here. Thank you for receiving this awesome responsibility. I believe in you. And I will trust you with my life's work. Please let me know if there's any way I can help you. I'm praying for your success. I thank you for your faithfulness. I honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Good stuff right there. Okay. I know it's more spiritual when it's dark, but could you turn those lights back up? Thank you. If you are 36 years old or older, I'd like you to raise your hands. Or at least one of your hands. Raise a hand. Okay. 
If you're standing by one of these folks, you might have to use your faith and just point in their direction or touch them with a foot. Because there is a... But if you can touch them, please touch them. Otherwise, just point your hand at them. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you who are praying, repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I honor you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I know you have poured blood, sweat, and tears into what we're standing in. And for that, I am grateful. I see what you've built. I see how you've built it. I see how important it is. And I will protect it. I'll protect you. I'll protect your legacy. Thank you for my inheritance. I need your wisdom. And I need your help. And I need you to understand. that I will build differently. I live in a different generation. I have different tools. But I will honor you and what you've built for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.